0: So, tell us about this crazy and weird dream that you had.
1: Well, Ian, uh, it was a, it was an interesting dream. A, a bunch of students of mine were surrounding my house and uh, playing on drums and marching around. And as I walked out onto my deck, this uh, mystical unicorn showed up in the distance. Right, yeah, right. Uh, and he, he flew towards me and, and swept me up uh, onto his back and flew me away from what was going on, which... I don't know what what Freud would say about that, but that's certainly the most interesting thing that's happened to me this week, and I wasn't even awake.
0: This is 8-Bit Episode 89, Throwing Balls at Things, on Sunday, October 5th, 2014, and now, A Pile of 7-Year-Old Children. This episode is hosted by Ian Decker, with guest J.P.M., (laughs) <laughs> and then the aftermath of it was pretty good, too.
1: <laughs> yeah, I don't want to get all the way into that, but let, suffice it to say that uh, many people who outrank me uh, professionally observed what uh, what was going on when a bunch of my students plastered my door uh, with pictures of unicorns, and uh, a lot of these outranking me, people show up, look at the unicorns, see me in my office, and uh, I'm sure connected the dots to me being a really serious person and taking my job very seriously and being the unicorn boy. Um, there's really nothing better than being the unicorn boy, Ian. <laughs> yeah, it's true.
0: <laughs> well, I mean, would you have nearly as much fun if you weren't the unicorn boy? <laughs>
1: Uh, well, yeah, I mean, I could have lived without it, um, although my wife thinks I'm really proud of the unicorn dream moment, um, and she's always right, so, maybe somewhere deep down, uh, yeah, it was an endearing, an endearing thing, but, uh, you know, unicorns aren't usually for 35-year-old guys that wear suit coats. Unfortunately,
0: bronies are a thing, but.
1: <laughs> Is that, okay, help me out with that, because I don't, I don't speak jive, uh, that's like a bro and and uh, and a pony is that what that, <laughs> is that, what that is? sort of um yeah.
0: so there there's a show out there called My Little unicorn
1: <laughs>
0: that has gained a serious fan following specifically among like twenty to thirty year old guys <laughs> <laughs> um, and I mean they can be found everywhere i my my r a freshman year was a big time bro. Um there's some military guys that I've known of who are bronies. Um I myself
1: am not a brony. Okay. So so let me let me now careful with your answer. It, it, so am I a brony? Is that what you is that what I'm being accused of because I had a unicorn dream? Or is that not something I want to be? Like I don't is that, <laughs> Yeah, yeah that's is. a
0: brony. very nice.
1: Oh god. That, that's terrifying. That is the um, epitome of romance. Now for me though, if I was gonna be like that I'd have to have horn on my head because I'd be a unicorn, right? So I mean we're gonna have to Photoshop something in there to make it a little more appropriate.
0: I, I am using all my willpower to not
1: make a being horny joke. Right here.
0: Um okay. So Oh look there's another one. <laughs> Wait a second, is that an actor? Who is that? That's that
1: guy. That's that, uh, that, that's the, Seth yeah, Green? Yeah, that guy. You know, he's <laughs> Seth Green. Yeah.
0: Seth Green's a brony. Yeah,
1: so I guess he wouldn't
0: fall in with an entirely bad crowd, and then you look at that.
1: <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what it says about a guy who has unicorn drapes, but I don't want to end up with the guy hugging the pink pony either. So.
0: Uh, I mean, it could be worse. Uh, let's see. Ian Buck, who's our usual co-host, has a bunch of weird dreams and we'll oftentimes talk about them on there. I, I remember when we were kids him telling us about this one dream where he had to run around and go through this building sort of like a secret ops guy and eventually once once the area was clear Q or like sent this signal for help saying that the rest of the people who were with him could go in and for some reason the signal was stirring the rice in a bowl um, and other things and so don't worry, weirdness is no stranger on this show.
1: All I do is worry Ian, so
0: yeah. <laughs> Well, maybe we'll have to change that. don't worry, have fun
1: I, yeah, I play it's already it's already quite fun
0: all right, so I suppose we ought to actually introduce you and then um, hammer you with our rigorous so emotionally and mentally blinding that I don't know if you'll be able to do the rest of the show interview that we have lined up for you. So, first things first, who are you? Yeah, well...
1: Because
0: uh, you obviously have weird dreams, but you're not you.
1: I do. No, everybody just calls me JPM. Uh, that actually started here on campus at Gustavus when students mistook me signing an email with my initials. As a meeting, that's what I wanted to be called. Uh, that, had been, that was five years ago. So I just started going by JPM. That's what people call me. Uh, yeah, and one of the, one of the courses I, I taught here at J-Term course had to do with, uh, video game music, and I've always really been into video games without much time to play them, partially, I think, because my parents didn't allow my brother and I to have video games for a long time, right, so, uh, so when I became of age that I could purchase my own games, then it was like this, this, you know, fixation, um, so I don't get to play a lot, but, uh. But the games that I do play, I love, and whatever time I have free, which is really almost none, but I, I like to spend some of it gaming. So,
0: yeah. I'm, I'm kind of in the same boat with parents. Well, Mom hated video games. Dad played video games. Um, uh, so we didn't really have hardly any growing up in the house, and I wasn't allowed to own my own system uh, for a long time yeah. until I got a Game Boy Pocket.
1: Oh, the pocket. Yeah, nice. And and
0: Pokemon Red version.
1: Oh uh, yeah. No. Um. You know, okay. I remember the day those Pokemon games came out. Now you're you were probably like you were probably like minus four years old. But um, I was in college. It was like two thousand two thousand one nineteen ninety nine something like that.
0: Then I was seven. <sighs> years. Yeah,
1: of course you were. <laughs> seven years old. Seven years oh old. I was born
0: God. in nineteen ninety two.
1: Don't say those things. So. Um, yeah, this was back, you know, when your computer screen had the little line that blinked on it. But uh, I was driving back to school, and I stopped at Best Buy because I always stopped at Best Buy. Anytime I see one, I like to just go in and look at stuff I don't understand and can't afford. <laughs> so I uh, I go in, and there's this pile of – probably you were there, but there were these piles of, like, seven-year-old children, like, like assaulting one another, and they were, like, taking down the guy in the blue shirt, right? And uh, And – it turns out that they had released this thing, this Pokemon thing, right? Blue and red, something like that. Okay, yeah, so you know what I'm talking about. Well, after they hoarded these things like little rabid measles, they they, uh, they take them and they run away, and, they're, 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 and there's like two left. And I'm like, you know what, if that game is good enough for a bunch of seven-year-olds, I'm buying it. So I, I bought one and started playing it, and you liked that, that, that thing? Yeah, you did. Yeah. What's alluring about some little dude running around and like throwing balls at things and turning them into monsters and fighting each other? Like, like help me understand why I spent that forty-nine ninety-nine or whatever it was in two thousand.
0: Well, I mean, for me, it was probably just I actually had a game, and it's all the it's the only thing I had to play <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> was how I got started. Um, but then, I mean, the adventures, the battles, the because it it was tied into the show where the show's protagonist left home when he was 10 years old to go out and sit on this adventure and essentially make his way in the world or possibly die trying, because I don't think he ever really sent home to his mom except maybe Mm -hmm. once or twice. Um, And so for a little kid looking at what would at that time be an older kid Mm -hmm. of 10 years old, um, going out and having this grand adventure, it was something worth looking up to and then... From there on, it sort of turned into the nostalgia mm-hmm. of it. But otherwise, I
1: know a lot of people play it because of the cute factor. Um, yeah, it's interesting because the... I, I mean, I love, especially on Game Boy and DS, you know, like, I, I love RPGs and the action RPGs and adventure games. And, like, the graphics on that and the story, the characters were so similar, but I just could not get into it. I couldn't do it. And the Pokemon thing, that was the first thing that ever made me feel old as a person playing video games. Like that—that that was the first time I didn't. You know, you, you still feel like a seven-year-old on the inside sometimes, or like a twelve-year-old.
0: I mean, I work with kids that are younger than
1: that. Yeah, right. Song, so. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. That was the first time I—I I, I felt too old to to play the to play the games. Yeah, I, that's off the topic, but it was interesting. <laughs> All right.
0: Um, yeah, but so yeah, the cute and battling and adventure for mm-hmm. what a lot of see, or for what was a lot of kids at the time big adventures, and then it became the popular and the hit thing to do.
1: Yeah, people are still into that. Now it's real culty.
0: Yeah. And I mean, I still play every now and then. Um, I have a 3DS and I've got one of the more recent ones just uh-huh. to go through. Because at this point it's sort of n- for nostalgia's sake. Uh-huh. But I... There's a lot of people who get way too into it, where they, they'll actually calculate out, okay, what's the best team for this? And what are these values? How can I get the most balanced team? And how can I get the most OP team? And what what combos can I use for things? And it's just, they take all the fun out of it. Yeah, yeah. It's just the going through an adventure.
1: Yeah, the min-maxing of video game world. Yeah, there you go.
0: Yeah, yeah. All right. So, I think you kind of answered this already. So, how did you get into video games?
1: Yeah, well, that's how I got in. Really, as a kid, my brother and I were allowed once a month to rent a Nintendo. Okay? So, we... The we, uh, Blockbuster? Well, yeah. It was like a local place, but it was kind of like that, right? So we, I can still remember what the place smelled like when I walked in on the day I was going to get to rent the machine. And we would always try to plan it so that we would hit a Monday where there was a holiday so the store wasn't open. So we would get that third day of rental, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, right? And so whatever weekend that was, we... We would choose a Nintendo or a Sega, like, a, you know, the old Genesis. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we would, from Friday night until we had, like, two minutes before we had to take it back, we would just play video games. Um, and that was our that's how I think I, I got the game addiction a little bit, because, we, you know, it was like we lived for that thing we couldn't have. If I had my own Sega Genesis earlier, I probably would have, you know, not played it as much, but it was that thing I didn't have, so... Mm-hmm. Um, Yeah, and and he and I got into gaming really through sports games first. We played a lot of, um, like, the original Madden football games and Joe Montana talking football, if you've ever heard of that. Um, It's okay if you haven't. But that was, like, that was one of the first breakthrough sports. Supposedly, they told you it was one of the breakthrough (laughs) sports video games. The truth was it was extremely frustrating. Um, So we got into some of that, and then um, he never got into the RPGs, but I would always rent. An RPG when we would get a system, and then like real late at night or real early in the morning, and start playing um, some of the some of the original you know 2D uh, RPGs. And I got hooked on those. I never got through them because we only had them for two days, so uh, I never I never finished them. But that was really how I got into it. I don't. That's about it, really.
0: I I used to do the exact same thing with my siblings and my parents. They would allow us to. Um, four times a year, about like during the breaks, big breaks, we would be allowed to go to Blockbuster and rent whatever was the current system of the time, whether it be a PlayStation 2 or. <laughs> well, no. Oh, I, Actually, I originally it was a Nintendo 64. Oh, and yeah. so
1: that was my college life, was that 64. Oh, <laughs> you're
0: a youngin'. Yep. Um, yeah. Go through, so I, I totally get that. Mildly addictive things.
1: Oh yeah, and that's you know, and then it, it graduated into college where my two roommates and I, we, together we bought an N64 and you know all the uh, Perfect Dark and Golden Eye and all like those kind of the This was before you had the online gaming the way it is now, um, and so it used to be cool to have a whole bunch of people pile in a room together and you'd get like local. Local systems hooked up together, and you play.
0: Like with this um, one, did you ever play
1: this? One? I have not played that that at all. I play uh, what is that?
0: Shadow Man. This was um, this is a remake of an old N64 game um,
1: oh.
0: that I got actually when I got all the comic books off of the Humble Bundle. Um, yeah, and you was, told me about that. <laughs> but it looked like it was it got a bunch of really good reviews and was one of those games that was quintessential of. Of that time, or at least that's what they were making it up. Oh,
1: that looks really interesting. Yeah, I mean, what we did, like for us, it was, for instance, if you took a game like Perfect Dark, we we would just find ridiculous party ways to play the game together as a big group and <laughs> order lots of Domino's pizzas. Does that still happen in college? Do people eat still eat pizza, or is that not Do a thing anymore? Do people still eat pizza? Yeah. Well, before you came over,
0: there were at least a few pizza boxes stacked <laughs> up around here. Um and so you cleaned for me. I cleaned for you. Oh Ian. That's nice. <laughs> that's nice. And I mean, we, we, we know that
1: Domino's delivers till one or two in the morning, so <laughs> I haven't seen one or two in the morning for a long time.
0: In some ways I'm kinda jealous.
1: Alright. No, you're
0: not. In some ways. Being able to actually sleep at a reasonable time is a nice thing,
1: but well I have a four year old, so I wouldn't say that I get to sleep <laughs> at reasonable times, but I, uh, it, yeah, you know, I live a different life now that I'm married and have a kid. But that doesn't mean I still don't love the game. So. Yeah.
0: And quite obviously, let's see. So next question. It's another one that we've quite obviously talked about. It's yeah, a little bit. bit.
1: Yeah. So, what's your favorite genre? Yeah. I, love, <laughs> I mean, if I had if I had my way, um, and this is how I, the relationship with my wife really built up through to, through JRPGs. I mean, she. She loves her favorite thing to do is sit on the couch with a glass of wine and watch me play RPGs. Ooh. So that worked out for me um, in the long run as a as a as a spouse. She's terrific that way. Um, so we've uh, we've done that a lot. Growing up, I played a lot of of uh, especially the Japanese role playing games. Uh, but I like American games too. It's just um, I had more time, you know, a decade ago to play them. Now I. I buy them and they, there's this stack next to my um, a stack next to my cabinet of games. I haven't even cracked the seal on them because you know I, I want to play them and I need to have them and I have no time to play them. So I'm games behind. But but definitely that's my favorite genre.
0: We 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 have a bit of a or we understand we have a bit of a backorder as well. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I mean right. Like, I mean, that's just how, yeah. It's, with, with
1: Steam, it's kind of hard to. It's crazy. Yeah. not have a back backlog of games. What are the ones that are in the lighter color? The like, like that. Portal two versus Portal on here? No, no, see how these are are those ones you've played or
0: uh these are ones that I have installed currently.
1: Oh okay, all right cool
0: versus ones that I would have to download.
1: Oh to okay, yeah. Currently. Wow. That's that's insane.
0: Um
1: Oh Borderlands two, nice job. Yeah. Fantastic Fantastic. Oh, and Bioshock, yeah, you you like good games. That's good. Yeah.
0: I I'm impressed. <laughs> <laughs> what kind of games did you think I would play?
1: Well, I don't know. I don't I mean I don't know like I I'm, I'm kind of a generation I don't know what I would, would call me generation behind you or generation ahead of you, but I'm I'm a generation away from the people that are on the cutting edge of what you know like what's going on Yeah um, So I'm just interested it's, it's actually really interesting for me to see what games you play and I'm impressed that I even know what some of them are.
0: So, <laughs> yeah well, we'll get to talk about some of those games a little bit later on because I mean hey, we're going to be talking about some of the competitions for some of the online multiplayer games. We're going to be talking about trailers for new upcoming games. We're going to be talking about some games that we've that are finally getting names that we've talked about before that aren't really quite on the um, uh-huh. on the public's eye yet or in the public's eye yet. But and some other goofy things that are video game related, like the Shaxi Awards, and whatnot. Mm-hmm. So, so we'll get you caught up on some of the game news and some games and what you can do. Exciting. Um, so let's. Let's see. However, we still have two more questions. So, what's your favorite game of all time?
1: Wow. Like I, uh, <laughs> if you uh, can pick one. Well, I can. I mean, if, I, if I'm going to pick one, it's Final Fantasy 7. Uh, I think that's probably a lot of people my age are going to pick that, make that as their choice. It's emotional. You end up with... Right, there it is. You end up with uh, that sort of emotional response. And then, now, later in life, right, that took off with that and children and Lots of spin-offs, Dirge of Cerberus, and like oh, those are all really interesting games. On my PSP, I can play. Um, the title is escaping me, but um, uh, what's the? They made a Final Fantasy VII spin-off on PSP. Crystal Chronicles. Ah, maybe Is that it. Uh, no, no, uh, that's, World on, World, that that's on GameCube. That's on GameCube. Um,
0: that was probably my first introduction to the Final Fantasy series was Crystal.
1: Chronicles. Yeah, it'll it'll come to me. But I mean, I you know that that game more than anything. Uh, and when I bought it. So I bought it when it when it released. I bought, I remember I bought it from ShopCo in my hometown. It was 89.99 or 79.99. And it you know it's 4 CDs long and I you know you would never seen anything like that and the graphics which now of course you look at it and you're like really I thought that was good, but at the time it was amazing. I mean it was incredible. Like it was like you were reading a story um and for me of course it's the music. I'm a musician and I teach music and I had always Really been a huge fan of Uematsu, or Zan, or whatever you're going to call him. Um, and I, I've taught some, a series of lectures on his music and other things. And that, uh, to me is the, like the crowning pinnacle of how a composer uses ideas like leitmotif, uses ideas like weaving characters with their motive in the music. I mean, it's, it's extraordinarily operatic. Um, it's Wagnerian uh, and, and deeply romantic with a capital R. You know, so not like like romance, like ooh, but we're talking like ro- like romantic, like from the romantic genre. Yeah. You know, you you lay the characters out and they're flawed, right? Every character in Final Fantasy VII is deeply flawed, which is what makes them very interesting to follow. Um, and and I think from there. Uh, you just, it's the length of it. You know, you're just fascinated. It was the first game I ever, the first RPG I ever played other than a, a handheld, you know, Game Boy game or something, where I actually went all the way to the end and then replayed it all the way to the end a second time. Like, I had never, uh nobody really talked about replay value at that point because no one talked about games except, like, the federal government trying to make them something that wasn't legal. Um... Uh, and so, yeah, I mean, it would be Final Fantasy VII. I mean, I could, if you asked me what my 50 favorite games were, I could just, you know, start throwing... Because <laughs> there's so many other games that I've played since then that in that holistically you could define as, quote, better in terms of the sound quality, the graphics quality, the, uh, the way that they storyboard, you know, it out. and the, I mean, because it's way more advanced now. But yeah. in terms of things being extremely ahead of 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 their time, that game was uh just light years ahead of of what uh, as a gamer at that time like something we were we thought a good game was something, and then you experience that and you're like, holy crap, that's amazing like you know it was really something so it had a really profound emotional impact on me in fact, so much so that um I've developed research topics on on gaming music, specifically because of my experience with that game. So that was a long answer to a short question.
0: Sorry. No, it's fine. It's as this is an interview for people to get to know you, and that's it shows the things that you value in the video game and oh, yeah. a little bit of personal backstory. Yeah, and right. Yeah. All right. And then I, it sounds like we might have talked about this one a little bit as well. So, what is the game that you hate the most, or the game that you regret buying? I don't. Well, no. I
1: um, I don't regret buying Pokemon the most. I played it for a little while. I just couldn't get couldn't get into that. I uh, I don't really know why. I got to think about that. Um, you know what? Okay. So a couple of years ago, maybe two years ago, there was a Lord of the Rings game. That came out on PS3 called War of the North, something like that. Or I've War heard in that. the North? I don't know. It was like a. Anyhow. My... I, I remember
0: actually getting excited for that. Okay, yeah, yeah.
1: And it, you shouldn't have been. Huh.
0: Uh,
1: it turned out. But, uh... yeah, that's it. That's it. Okay, all right. So, okay. Now, my brother and I, I used to live in Massachusetts, right? And yeah. he, lives, he lives up in, in Minneapolis. So, we uh, one of the ways that we really bond is we game together. But we don't do it like a lot of people do, online gaming now, where you go into the MMORPGs and you, you know, break all the codes and design all the things and sell them for a billion dollars on, on, uh, on the Internet. Okay. We just we like to play just co-op games, which there aren't a lot of those out there anymore, really, that, um, that uh, you can do. So we're kind of looking up different things, and we find this game called War in the North, Lord of the Rings. We both like the Lord of the Rings... All right. The story's kind of cheesy. The action is okay. The game wasn't that terrible, except we get right up to the end of the game and it fails to the point where we can't get past where we were. And we've probably logged—I don't know—I don't even want to make up a number. Fifty hours on. I mean, you know. Not, like, a crazy number of hours, like some people will put in a game like Skyrim, but, you know, enough hours that we wanted to finish the game, no matter how mediocre it was. And the level of anger that I had, because I couldn't get past that. It's like the people that experience the, um, they're playing a game, and all of a sudden they get stuck on the load screen, or they, you know, that. but usually if you reset it, everything's okay. Well, our game files were, like, warped to the point where we were just stuck in this place, and we couldn't escape, and it was... That would be as close as I've ever been to hating a game. I'm still not a fan because of that. And then I read all these... uh, You probably think of this kind of thing ahead of time, but my generation doesn't think about this. Then I looked up online to see if other people had had this problem. Turns out, like, the whole world is having that problem with that game. I wish I had known that ahead of time. Um, So, yeah, I would definitely say that would be the game I regret buying the most and hate the most. Uh, not because it wasn't a good game. It was actually kind of fun as a co-op game. You know, it's always fun to be Legolas shooting arrows, but, uh, oh, my God, that just drove me completely insane. Yeah. Oh, terrible. I don't know if that's ever happened to you. You're probably smart enough to figure it out.
0: But. No, there's definitely been some games where I just get completely stuck, and then it's it's a glitch where, like, I save in a spot where I can't escape from. And uh-huh. th- Thankfully, the games sometimes have... Um, save logs where you can go back and get yourself unstuck, but you'll also lose a fair amount of progress. Yeah,
1: yeah, and, and I don't know... And, and and we tried all of those things, and I, I wish... Yeah, I wish I had never gotten myself into that. But We've moved on. We moved on to Borderlands, and then Borderlands 2, which we very quickly... And then Saints Row the 3rd and the 4th, and we eventually really forgot about those other games because yeah. those were incredible online yeah. co-op games. Yeah.
0: yeah. And then, I mean, like... Um, uh, one of my roommates, Peter, he plays um, Borderlands with his brothers, and I was invited to join them for Borderlands, the pre-sequel. So I, I get to be Claptrap, and I'm going to be boom- I'm going to be Boomtrap, where he gets the most powerful when he's um, fighting for his life. So my job is going to be get in the middle of things, explode a lot, um, and then make other things explode. Well, I'm exploding. <laughs>
1: Yeah, we maxed out as much as you could do at Borderlands. That game is so fun. It just never stops being fun like that. There are some games that are serious, and, you know, you get into the story. Mm-hmm. Um, but that game is just its just plain fun. Borderlands is Yes, yeah. It's amazing. It's amazing. Which, which class
0: was your favorite? Okay, to play, I
1: so I played I, – okay, I'm not going to come up with names. I played uh, – he was stealthy. He had the big – Zero. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, and then you have, I I would I would get the sniper rifles, and then I would I would use those. That sniping is a thing. That's my that's my thing. I'm not that good at it. Not like some of the people you watch. You know, when you game online with people, where your character loads, and then two and a half seconds later you're dead. You don't know what happened, and that it just keeps happening. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I'm not that guy, but. Um well I hate
0: spawn campers anyway. Yeah, is
1: that what that's called? Okay. Yeah. yeah. I could let me figure out what that term means now just from what you said. You said spawn camper. Okay, mm-hmm. so that would mean someone who camps near a place where people spawn and yes. kills them. Right. Yeah. That was I didn't know those people existed clearly because I was like fodder for their for their sp- the spawn fodder. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That doesn't sound pleasant. At all. Mm-hmm. Well, you know. It's better than doing work. That's true. Yeah. I still think my favorite character
0: has been Krieg. The psycho.
1: Yeah, this, yeah.
0: Um, especially the middle tree, um, where when your shields are down, you get big bonuses to your melee abilities. Um, say that word again. Melee. Melee. Or melee. Okay. However you want to pronounce. That's
1: it? how the real people say it.
0: Fine, melee. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, Super Smash Bros. Melee. So. Yeah. Yeah. That's.
1: <laughs> good. Yeah. that's, that's I'm terrible at that game. God. Some people are so good at that. Oh, it's just it, it's ridiculous. You shouldn't be allowed to practice party games. That should be illegal. Like, if you're going to play a game like Smash Brothers, which is designed for, like, a bunch of people to play in the room at the same time, no one should be allowed to play it on their own and get good at it. It should be, like, you know, That's... an experience where everybody comes in and just does disastrous things to each other. Yeah, you don't want to have that guy that shows up and is like, oh, I don't know how to play this, and then they just kill everybody, like, 30 times in a row. Yeah, yeah.
0: I mean, you have to have at least some person to unlock all the characters. So. <laughs>
1: Yeah, yeah, that's right,
0: because otherwise you couldn't play with them all. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, yeah okay, yeah.
1: Fair enough. It's a trade-off. Yeah.
0: You have one person who's good, but that's also usually the person that owns the game, which you expect to be good <laughs>
1: anyways. <laughs> well, I'm the guy that owns all the games and isn't good at them at all, because <laughs> I've never played them, so. Yeah. All right. Yeah, you'll get there. Mm, yeah, maybe.
0: All right, so, um, because our guest has to go a little bit earlier than... Usual, we're going to jump straight to the main topic and then do headlines right afterwards. Outstanding. So our main topic is, in case you couldn't guess it, the world of JRPGs, and specifically looking at the legacy of Final Fantasy. Um, and again, it's going to be in sort of an interview form where I have a bunch of questions for you, and I want you to answer them okay. with what you know, but I also want your opinion mixed in, because this isn't supposed sure. to be just factual, it's also supposed to be who are you?
2: Yeah, yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah.
0: And and I mean with any subjective piece of art which video games really are developing into being, um, each person is going to get their own individual interpretation of mm-hmm. it. So it's impossible really for one person to have all the answers for mm-hmm. any one genre. So, uh first question what uh what things about JRPGs differ from ARPGs and what aspects of either do you prefer? Uh
1: well, let's see. I think it's interesting you mentioned art. I mean, I—that's I, uh, how I take the premise of thinking about the music when I when I consider these things like academically, you know, as an academician. Um, and I, I struggle with the question. I don't struggle with it, but I, I struggle with society trying to figure out whether video games are art or not because I—I think some of them are. Um, I don't think all of them are, but I think some of them are. Uh, the same as you know a painting. I think some of them are great art, and I think some of them aren't. Um, and and it it's interesting um, when you look at, at games artistically, like JRPGs and American RPGs, because um, you're asking like what what I like about them. I mean, I what draws me to the JRPG is the artwork, the music, the long story. I I like in a way being led through a story. With a little bit of variation and some choice, but I don't mind. I don't mind the the um, the platform of the game where the story's laid out, and I, you know, I think especially if it's a really good story. I mean, I think I think the kind of open world concept that gets pulled into some, especially American RPGs. There probably are JRPGs that are more open world that I maybe just don't know about. Um, Dragon Quest. Yeah. Well, no, though. No. I mean, because okay, like Dragon Quest Eight. All right. That's like the to me that's the that's the pinnacle of that series. Now nine, which is on the DS, which I, I is very good. But n- have you played eight? Uh,
0: I don't know. I don't. I don't have a PlayStation. I my original uh, introduction to the Dragon Quest series was the Game Boy Color game DQ uh, <laughs> Monsters. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. Uh, which is actually really fun. Um, I love it. I, I have well, a anyway. right.
1: So those games used to be called Dragon Warrior when mm-hmm. I was a Wii type and they were really fun. Like, I think I... I might be making this up, but I think I played one on Nintendo or or Super Nintendo or something. it it was really fun. Like, it was was an interesting RPG. Okay. But Dragon Quest VIII is not open world. I mean, it it just isn't. Even though the game is meant to feel like it is. Like, you can go kind of anywhere you want to at different times, but ultimately, it is step-by-step you're being led through a story. And even though it feels like your choices matter... They really don't matter that much, like to 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 what you would think of if you were playing. A, I don't know what what are some uh, some of the more open world games, like Grand Theft Auto or you know something where you could literally do nothing for the entire game. So even Skyrim, right? You could just you could play that game for 200 hours without ever doing anything um, and probably have fun. So so yeah, I mean to me, I like being led through the story. I love the fantasy artwork. Um, like I gotta talk about that course that I that I taught before. A lot of what I looked at. Um, was how the imagery played into the characters, and how um, if you're familiar with films like Princess Mononoke, um, you know, I mean, the way you, if you're not, you should, or your listeners should nope. check that out. It's incredible. High um, music. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, right. I mean, it's like you know that that kind of artistry is so powerful because you can accomplish things in in um, animation and in art that you can't achieve in real life. Right. I mean, you you without <laughs> Really damaging something or mm-hmm. someone. Uh, so I think I think that uh, that that aspect of the fantasy versus reality. To me, it feels like American games are trying to get extremely real. You know that they're trying to create the and the graphics are amazing. We, you had Bioshock on there and so I mean like it's incredible. But in, mm-hmm. and and uh, Fallout and some of those games are they're terrifying. Like I would you know a person my age could never probably play that game alone in a room uh, and not just be terrified. Uh, then I'll, remind me to keep you away from start dark descent. Yeah, you, there's probably a lot of games you should keep me away from because <laughs> I would never want my daughter seeing oh. any of those things, right? You know, like yeah. So, um, in fact, I think there, are, well, there's a lot of issues I talked about in my course too about how music and art specifically can psychologically impact people when they're playing a game that can actually create and trigger violent behavior, like societal behavior, which I think is a real thing, and that's something that. Um, is pretty serious. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. So you, you get the American games that are focusing on reality, to the, almost to the point where it's too much for me. And the JRPGs are just cartoony fantasy, you know, like you go to a different world. It's why I like to pick up a book and read it. I don't read as much as I should. I play games, but um, like that's what I want to do. I want to I get away from the world, and, you know, and go to someplace fun. And, and that's what the Final Fantasy series has always been like that. But for me, And again, this is going to date me. But when you say Final Fantasy to a 35-year-old, that's that's me, they're gonna think about Final Fantasy 7, 8, and 9. Because that was the those were the games that came out at the time when I was like, you know, playing everything. Okay, well, seven was pretty real, but very cartoony in its in its graphics. And then eight suddenly takes that turn where they try to make the graphics look really real, right? That the characters are rendered in a more real way. Well some people dug that, but for me, I didn't like that at all. Like I, I like the game. It's fine. I went all the way through it. I had a good time, but I missed the that cartoon, dramatic anime type style. And then when Final Fantasy IX came out, I don't know if you've played that one, but uh, it, it's amazing. It was terrific. It's car- That's the one. The guy's got a tail. They're oh. they're a traveling band of fools, and they're in an opera together. I might have a little bit. I'm yeah, it's okay. Uh, it, it's uh, that's much more cartoony, and I think. To me, that's that's the kind of game I get really drawn um, into. Again, that was a really long answer, but does that answer your question? Uh, yeah, it's an interesting question. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
0: And again, as I said, we're here to ask about what you prefer not. <laughs> yeah, right. I, all right. So, Am I
1: not doing well? Am I not no, doing you're doing fine. fine. You're, you're doing fine. fine. You're just always
0: it. concerned about, that was a really long-winded question, your answer to that question.
2: Well, I have a little so
1: Yeah, I'm a professor, so that's that's... I just fill hours with words and then expect people to regurgitate them. You know? That's now I'm
0: a classics major. I do the same thing. <laughs> All right. That's my life. Uh, so next question. Which are your favorite installments in the Final Fantasy line? I mean, obviously seven.
1: Seven, yeah. Seven, and uh, I, I enjoyed eight. But not as much. Nine, I love. I think Nine is a hidden gem. You're you're gonna ask me that later, maybe. But I, it's it, that's not a game that a lot of people have played. It's also a game that when most people say, "What are your favorite Final Fantasy games?" They never listed. I don't know why. Hmm. Um, I loved it. I, I the story was sincere and funny, and the characters were interesting. And again, I get uh, I get pulled into the games so where the characters are really flawed because that to me is art reflecting reality you know because you and i are flawed right mm-hmm. me probably more than you but um so i think that's interesting and i'll tell you i we talked about this the other day but my absolute favorite gem game final fantasy series are the legend final fantasy legend series there's final fantasy legend then you've got final fantasy legend two and three they're all on game boy like old school game boy the one where i don't even know if you had that but it's all yellow and super heavy, and it looks terrible. And, um, you know, uh, the pixels are like the size of quarters, and, yeah, I mean... I, um, I know it, I know it. Yeah, okay.
0: I'm not going to tell you what it's referred to nowadays, but I know it.
1: Yep, yeah, and I don't want to know those those things. Um, <laughs> but those games, like, thinking about about the restrictions that, that existed in terms of how much memory they could use, and the technology was not very good. I mean, I, you know, um, and what's even interesting, like the music early on, and I come again. It's kind of about the music for me, but um, all of the MIDI capabilities and sound quality was terrible. I mean, they they had they couldn't even really change the tempo, the speed of the music. They had to like any time you play a game like that and you hear what you would think is slow music, it's actually just fast music at the same tempo with longer notes. Because the if, in fact, if you go back and listen to a lot of the Nintendo games um, and Game Boy games. If you take a metronome and listen to the music, you can find a tempo on the metronome that will match the pulse of the music exactly mm. all the time. Because they had, it was, it, I don't understand the technology side of it, but um, it has to do with, with the, I'm sure, with the, you know, whatever machines they're using to, to do that in the, the, um, the MIDI quality. Uh, so it, it's, it was fascinating to me. Like the music is so good, yet they were so restricted in what they can do. Um, you know now computers can almost create sounds of live musicians it 's really mm-hmm. terrifying actually, and that that 's a topic for another time but
0: uh, I mean the majority of the the better ones that i 've heard are actually just samples
1: mm-hmm.
0: like from Sibelius and whatnot mm-hmm. um, so it 's not quite as <laughs> and then also slightly off topic. Have you heard any of the music from either the game Bastion or the game Journey?
1: Journey, a former student of mine who we're still in touch. She was in this class with me. Uh, she sent me some links to like some stuff from. It's amazing. Mm-hmm. I, like it makes me want to play the game. I haven't played the. I haven't played it. Don't tell me what happens. But, um, but. Uh, well, I'll tell you right now. The dialogue is crazy. Okay. All right. I don't know about it. It doesn't. Are you making? They fun don't of talk you? at all. No. Oh, Sorry. Okay. No, I, I was okay. thinking if I could get a reaction out of our ghost. Too, yeah, I, we're boring. I mean, he, he doesn't look. He, he doesn't look very excited. But he, you know. <laughs> Um, Let's see. Um,
0: Ah, doing homework. (laughs) All right. uh, Yeah, good for you. But yeah, so Journey won a Grammy for its music, Um, and I believe, if I remember correctly, there was uh, because I showed it. I showed it to my mom, who's also a musician, and she she was looking through some of the videos, and she she found this video with the director just talking about. Oh yeah, and then this 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 one day. I was trying to figure out what to do, so I just called up my good friend Eric Whitaker. And we talked about music for a little while and what I could do and like no big deal, Eric Whitaker. I mean he may be a diva, don't don't get me wrong, but his his music is
1: fantastic. Oh it is, yeah. And and he's I mean he and there's you know, an example of a composer who knows how to get an emotional response from a listener. I mean that's that's something that art. That's one of the things that defines what art is, right? It's why that chair is not art. That chair isn't designed to get an emotional response. It's not. It's not designed to be critiqued or you know, like it. 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 Uh, although with you sitting on it, I'm sure if it had an emotional response it, it would be. It would be really positive. The thinker version too. Yeah, you know, I understand. <laughs> but I mean, that's that's just why. And without the music, like if you take that music away from the gaming experience, it 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 changes it so fundamentally. I mean, it, it's... it's. Um, uh, well, to me, the big comparison... Are you a Battlestar Galactica fan? I have not gotten into it. Oh, you're yet. wrong, Ian. Okay, so... I, when, I've never said that I don't like it. I just said I haven't gotten into it. That's Come on, on give it. me it's a break. I, I, I will. I mean, I, I, I... Look, there's a lot of stuff I wish I had gotten into. But, okay, so it's a sci-fi thing, right? Mm-hmm. You're, from, you're at least familiar with it. Yeah. When you, and I'm talking about the new one, not the one from the 70s. Oh, that one's pretty good, too. When when you when you watch the opening theme, the main theme from the new Battlestar Galactica, there's no music. It there's just drums, it, and it's this open space. And when you look into space, it's incredibly dark. Like the stars are incredibly far apart. In fact, most of the what you're looking at, image-wise, is just black. Well, when you compare that to Star Trek right? There's really cheesy music, there's a lot of music, and the stars are, like, everywhere. They're incredibly close together. And then, um, so, it, it, you know, the music, and the, the music and the way that the person is perceiving the space that it's in creates this imagery. So Battlestar Galactica, they're alone, right? It's the, they're the last ones in the universe. There's no one to help them. Well, and in Star Trek, There's people everywhere. There's like 65 million kinds of aliens. You meet a different one in every episode. And Kirk. Yeah, right? So it's like the the actual music and the way that the space around what they're doing, it's all interconnected, you know. Um, It's subliminal, uh, but it's totally, totally fascinating. I don't even know what question I'm answering anymore. I'm I'm supposed to be telling you what my favorite Final Fantasy games are. I sort of did that.
0: You did. No, you definitely did that. We just got off course because we started talking about music.
1: Can I tell you one that I really, that really bothered
0: me? Please do. Okay,
1: so why, like Final Fantasy XII? Did you play that one? I did not. Okay, that's
0: not. One. Oh, we have Ghost saying yes. You played it. Do you want to come in and chat with him about it? No, no, <laughs> <not>. Okay. <laughs> okay,
1: so that I mean, this is one I played with with my wife, and and we. I think it, it, when we finally finished the game, we maybe we played for a hundred and. 15, 120 hours, something like that. But well, that's a for me, that's a long time.
0: That's a long time for
1: any game. Okay, right. That's a long time. We really put a lot of time in. And we're talking excuse me, it took us two years to you, get
0: through it. You said this is twelve or thirteen?
1: Twelve. Okay, I'm wondering if
0: they have that on. They have fourteen. They do have no that's seven. Doesn't look like they have twelve on here. So I it's not one that I have. Yeah. But would have had the ability to play
1: around. Really. Okay. So it it uh here's what they they i I think that one was still made by square um, I, they were trying to make it like an m m o r p g sort of and they they That's changed right. They, like right so they changed the 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 turn based system and they turned it into this unusual i think the word they used word gambits, I can't remember exact it's been a couple years, but yeah right, so it it okay, yep, so it it took so long to figure out how to play the game and it didn't feel like you were playing final fantasy um but i had to keep playing because i'm that guy that likes final fantasy and i and i just kept telling myself that the more i got into it uh, i would start to like it and it and the storyline is um i'll come back to the storylines in final fantasy but the storyline in that one is so convoluted and confusing and like it it's the it's the opposite of what i prefer which is where you know i want to know who the characters are i want to know what they like and who they love and what they're interested in and i and i want to play into those things and that game was like it just it 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 wasn't an mmorpg right because it wasn't because you were the only one playing and there were so few of like computer controlled characters that would be wandering through the world there were like five instead i mean they made this point that it was going to be like playing an open-world, you know, like a Warcraft game or something, and it was not like that at all. It was frustrating, because it felt to me like they were trying to make the game something that it didn't need to be. Like, you know, it it wasn't a Final Fantasy game. I kind of enjoyed playing it. Um, now, when they, they did a spin-off on that game... Oh, wow. I'm going to pull this one out of nowhere. It was on the DS, and it was called Revenant Wings. Final Fantasy 12, Revenant Wings.
0: I have that, actually.
1: See, there you go. Okay. That was pretty good. And... I enjoyed that because it kind of returned to what Final Fantasy was. It was a little more cartoony. The story was a little bit more simple. The characters were yeah, yeah that's it. The characters were were uh, engaged with one another more. And the whole game was kind of is based on on the love life of kind of two sets of uh, characters. So yeah, that one really that one really bothered me. Um, but Heidi and I, my wife and I, really enjoyed we enjoyed the time like. Basically, all the way through graduate school, for a couple of hours every you know every week, maybe two three hours a week, we would just sit on the couch and we would go through chapters in the game, and that was fun. Mm. Um, but it really wasn't. It wasn't what I wanted it to be as a Final Fantasy fan. I mean, Twelve to me on the PS2 should have been a superior game to Ten in every way, right? But they. They were not able to retain Uyman, so He left with the other team members, and they they did games like Blue Dragon and mm-hmm. other things on and Lost Odyssey on um, Xbox. on uh, Xbox. Yep, that that one.
0: Blue Dragon was a game that I really wish that I had, had the
1: chance. Oh, to it's so good, and the music is so incredible. Like, and um, have you ever watched Final Fantasy? You probably haven't, but I'm I'm the Final Fantasy guy, right? The movie? Uh, no, but the, the animated the anime series, Final Fantasy Unlimited. <laughs> I haven't seen the animated anime. Oh, first. look at this! <laughs> right, okay. All right, so uh, the same art, the same art concepts are in Final Fantasy Unlimited that are in Blue Dragon. Mm-hmm. And um, if, like, Blue Dragon is really frustrating to play at first because you're basically you're like, what on earth is going on? Like, it, it it plays in a really unusual way, but yet it feels really comfortable for a person who likes the Final Fantasy genre because it's the same people that are making it. Um, mm-hmm. But if you if you've watched all there's like five maybe or six DVDs in the um, Unlimited series, which is really good by the way. It's it's funny and interesting. The concept is each episode exists in a different universe, uh, and there's this train that takes the the characters into from universe to universe and they're chasing their parents. That's a really basic description of what it is. Um, and of course there's the there's the 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 yellow bird the Chocobo you know that's yep. there. Um, but the music is, is quirky. The animation is really quirky. It's, there's technologies used in very strange ways. Um, and that's reflected in Blue Dragon. So, having watched that series and then playing Blue Dragon was amazing. So, um, if you're going to play Blue Dragon sometime, you should watch the Unlimited series first. Okay. Um, in my opinion, I don't, I'm, not they, an, I'm not an expert.
0: If they come up with a PC port or if I ever get the chance to get a, an Xbox. You get my hands on a copy of that game. I'll make sure to do so.
1: Yeah, that and have you played Lost Odyssey?
0: No, but that one sounds more familiar. That one might be on PC. Uh, oh
1: yeah, if it is, you've got to play it. Ah, oh, shit, it's not. Yeah, I mean Lost Odyssey. It's it's. It, here's what you have to do. You have to get over the when you start Lost Odyssey you're like, why on earth are you ripping off the Lord of the Rings this terribly? I mean, it, you basically, if you feel like you're watching a Lord of the Rings film for like two minutes. But after after that's done, um, the premise of the game is genius because the main character, the main character is invincible. It mm. can't be killed. Like, you, essentially, you start knowing that you live forever, so you can't die. So you can't lose, um, which seems to be how most video games are made now anyway. Um, it used to be that you could die in games, and mm-hmm. then it would just start over, and yeah, that doesn't really happen anymore. But uh, the premise of that game, and you want to talk about flawed characters and love relationships and the dream sequences in that game are, which you could probably find on YouTube. You could just watch the the uh, the dream sequences. Amazing, totally amazing. Is it as good as your unicorn dream? Well, Ian, I mean, here's the thing: the unicorn dream maybe, is going to be my, my memoirs. You know, like when, I, when I'm getting close to the age where I know it's coming to an end, I may just I may just reflect upon um, my <laughs> unicorn dream. Um, I don't know why I had that. It, I, I don't know, stress, maybe. Um, maybe I just like unicorns.
0: Maybe. Maybe it's just a subliminal thing. <laughs> Who knows? One more question All that's right. off topic from yep, here, and then we're going to go back to the ones that I had written down. What did you think of the combat system of Final Fantasy Tactics?
1: Uh, Final Fantasy Tactics on the PlayStation when I would have played it, or on... like. Uh, I,
0: I know I've done the versions on the Game Boy Advance, but anything where it's sort of the 3D world blocks... Yeah, where you're moving around. Yeah.
1: yeah. Um, Do you I, think that
0: that was a good step, or a wrong step, or just a different step?
1: Well, I liked it. I, I um... I kind of like RTS games, you know, the, where you're... Like, I, um... um why is the uh, why is it escaping me? The big one? The name of the uh, the series of RTS games that everybody plays. Starcraft. No. Uh it's gonna come to me. Um, uh, but the like I I like the strategy of it and and I, I don't know I I thought it was okay I know that they kind of went away from that but the fi- here's here I think this is true. Um, they use and reuse the world from Final Fantasy tactics in other games, so mm-hmm. like those that 's um, that seemed to be pretty successful um, i don 't know what, what you mean in terms of the actual battle system i mean that battle system feels pretty similar to like an rts game doesn 't it, it
0: yeah, well yeah i mean it's it 's a turn based strategy game um, where you have to think on a 2 d plane and where characters are going to be and how you 're going to position them um it's sort of like a big game of chess where all the characters can do yeah, different right. things. Yeah, right. Versus, yeah. and I mean, of course, versus the regular. Um, I guess I wouldn't know what to call it. It's like Baldur's Gate versus. Um, love
1: those. Love.
0: <laughs> yeah. Versus just taking turns swinging at each other.
1: Mhm. Mhm. So. Yeah, I mean, if 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 I was to say what I preferred, I love the Baldur's Gate, you know, kinds of games. The I played the um, the dark because I was a console gamer more than a PC gamer. But I played the Dark Alliance series and loved those games. Like, just, um, I played them over and over and over, especially Dark Alliance 2. And then there were a bunch of of games that came out like that, Champions of Norath, which is like a Warcraft spinoff, and those were less good. those, Those were just people trying to profit on we addicted gamers that liked to play the hack and slash games. Um, but the, you know, those games I, I would prefer even a little more to the strategy games, maybe because I just don't have the patience part. And I I would always, like, I'd always have to restart the game when one of my, I lost one of my characters because I didn't want to lose them and they were gone forever and I hated that. Yeah. Um, and that was hard. So I, I, yeah, I don't know. I mean, to me, if you're making a Final Fantasy game, you should make a Final Fantasy game. Like, those of us that play all the games have, have, I don't know, we have certain expectations coming into it, and I get it that people want to develop them and make them creative and do different things and do new things. But sometimes that's not good, <laughs> you know? Like, I mean, sometimes, you, sometimes you, you do what you do well for a reason. That's why in, we choose majors in college, right? And if you're good at something, you're probably going to major in it. You know, you're not, you're not going to spend your whole life reading and studying the classics, and and get into literature and get into history, and they'd be like, you know, I think I'm going to be a biochem major, because I I suck at that. Um, Well, that's what I started out. Right? But but see, you figured it out, though, right? So, you you know, I think that we kind of have a moral compass as people, and game designers have to have that. I mean, they must. So, I don't know, if it was me as the artist with a game, and I'm designing it, if I start hearing myself go, oh, let's try that. You know, maybe if we do that too many times, maybe it's not a good thing.
0: Maybe. But, I mean, also, the let's try that aspect of things is
1: what makes games move forward. Well, hey, but I'm I'm not talking about people that are designing games just to be creative. I'm talking about people that are designing games in big-time genres, so in Final Fantasy, or Mario, or Zelda, or, you know, like, you have to you have to at least play to the people that understand that world somehow, right? I yeah. mean, you can't just, you're not going to, you can't redesign the entire thing and make it something totally different and no one's going to play it.
0: Follow the formula.
1: Yeah. Well, yeah, sort of. I mean, or, like, be creative within the formula.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, that's you, more what I'm thinking.
0: You can wear whatever you want, so long as it's colored black. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yep. Yeah, I see what you... Yeah, you're making fun of me. No, but, no, 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 no.
0: Yeah. I'm, I'm not. I'm That's. I'm trying to remember where I first heard that quote, but that's... I, I understand it. Having a set of parameters, and like with the Legend of Zelda game, it's always um, you are a lost boy, or just a little boy on right. an island. You go through, and you start on this great adventure, and you have this one... Oh, once you get to this point, um, everything will be fine. That's only... After three dungeons, and then you have to go back and redo. Everything. Well, not redo everything, but then there's a whole bunch of extra things that you have to do. Yep. Each new dungeon, um, going through with the same sort of puzzles or similar puzzles, but the tools that you get through each dungeon and whatnot can differ. So the, the the formula in terms of the game structure can differ, but the way that you get to each of those points that still exists
1: within the game structure. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And when well. um, so when we teach composition students, and I, I um, one of the things I do in my life is I write music, I compose. And when I've taught composition, one of the things as teachers that we do is we work on how people create limitations for themselves. So um, that that somehow our brains can actually create more freedom and more creativity when forced into, not forced into, but when invited into a series of limitations. So instead of just looking at a blank canvas and going, now what? You know, let's just you you create parameters for yourself, and then you work within that. So, uh, it, uh, you play D and D or something. You know, okay, right. So if you're going to design a if you're going to design a world as a dungeon master, right, you have essentially two options. You start tiny, like you start in a place and you build out, or you just like, <laughs> you know, you're like ah, and you try to create the whole world at the same time. And in a lot of ways, it's much more effective to say, okay, I'm going to imagine one place in my world, and I'm going to create that and all the details, and then from there I'm going to build out, you know, and, and, and so that way you, you, you're, you're limited to that, right? But eventually you get to the, to the whole, so. Yeah, yeah I just, it, it, it bothers me when I, especially in Final Fantasy, but other things too that I like to play, uh, there's a reason that I play Skyrim or, um, you know, games in that series because I know what they're going to be, and they're going to be fun. And, and you know, and if they just finally said, "Yeah, we're going to get rid of this whole system. We're going to do it completely differently," there'd be a lot of people that would be kind of ticked, right? Because, yeah. So, all right. I'm, I don't want to waste your time. i just.
0: No, you're not wasting time. No such thing as wasting time on this show. All right. Let's see. So we've already gone over games that you believe to be hidden gems.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: Quite a few times. Um, let's. See. <laughs> Well no, there's a lot of really cool games out there. There, you are. Have, there you, are. You yeah. obviously have one of the things that it comes with being older than me is you've played a lot longer, so you have a lot yeah. more experience. So no, you no, have no. Lot
1: I more have time. not I can guarantee you I have not played a lot longer than you. I have been alive longer than you, So I, I maybe have played different games, but I uh I've spent the better part of the last decade not playing games. Um okay. That's great. All right, fire away. So
0: uh next two questions are no longer looking at the past, but looking forward into the future. Yeah. So, do you have any thoughts on Final Fantasy 15? I know we were just talking about sort of each game series has sort of its own structure that it follows to appeal to the fans. Um, do you think it's going to do that? Do you think it's going to try and find a way to stretch the mold again? Um, mm-hmm.
1: Well, um,
0: and how? Or what? What would you want to see?
1: What? What I would want to see. I. I think. Well, I, I'd like to see two things. Um, one I think it's time to remake one of the games that we know is really good on a new system and I hate that teaser they put out when they really I think they when they released the ps3 they, they kind of teased like they were gonna maybe remake Final Fantasy seven VII or eight or mm. um, nine that never really happened um, they've since kind of remade 10 sort of but it's it's basically the same um, so one I think before they did even though I know it'll they'll keep making them, but I would love to see a remake on the PS4 um, of Final Fantasy VII or eight or nine for that matter, but seven is the one that people are clamoring for, and uh, I would play it. I mean, I would I would buy it twice if it meant you know I'd buy it three times if it meant they were going to do it. Then um, you know, here's here's what I would think for fifteen. For me, I want I want like a romantic story. I want cartoony, amazing 3D HD graphics that you know, pull me in, and some element of choice and freedom, because I think that's that's inherent in games that are being made right now and, and probably a, a byproduct of the technology that I don't, admittedly, I don't understand, um, but I like to play. Music, I think, I think they need to blow up what they've been doing musically recently. The music, to me, in 13 was a monstrosity and... Um, it just, it, it's, it's not, it's not interesting to me, and maybe it's just me. Maybe, maybe other people really like Japanese pop music, but I, that's just not my thing. Like, I don't, I don't want that. So, like, to me, if I was going to have a fantasy game like that, I want, I want the symphony orchestra and choir and, you know, like a return to that traditional thing where when they feel, you probably know this, but they, they tour around with these Concerts, right? In concert halls, and I've I've been to the Final Fantasy in concert, the live thing. Mean, it's so amazing, like it's it's incredible. So there's people that are just dying for that, and yet for some reason we we not me, but they feel like they need to get away from that and into more popular genres of music. And I don't I don't get that. Um, and I I'd like I'd like some kind of connections into a pre-existing game structure. So maybe maybe a spin-off of a previous game or connections to a previous game, taking really, really cool characters from past Final Fantasy games, like Balthier or Aaron, or, you know, the, the characters that weren't the main characters but the ones who people are like, yeah, that, I want to be that guy.
0: What was the guy that had the gun on in Final Fantasy? Oh, the
1: man with the machine gun arm, yeah. Um, you know, What was his name? Yeah. Um,
0: but he'd be one that I'm sure that people.
1: Oh yeah, but I mean, but that's the kind of thing, right? Like, like uh, taking a character that wasn't one of the main characters, and because and, they have this tendency to take the main character and then and bear yeah, <laughs> and then put them in, um, put them in the game again, and it's like I already played a game with that person. Um, when they made Dirge of Cerberus, I, you know that one. Um, I know, I know the name. That takes Vincent, uh, Vincent from Final Fantasy VII, and essentially puts him into a. It's a little bit of a dramatic first-person shooter, um, but it's it's a it's terrific. Like it, and for people like me who played that game and loved those characters, then you're getting into the storyline of another character, um, and you can build another game off it. It's kind of like uh, like what I was talking about with creating worlds. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you've already got something that's so good. <laughs> why why are you needing to redo it? Like you. you you've got this like money stuff that exists and, and yet they're ignorant in some ways of that trying to do the new and creative thing. Um, so to me that's, you know, final fantasy 15 or 16 or 17 on the PS seven, you know, I want it to be, I still want it to feel like final fantasy. I I really don't like now this next one's going to be more of an open world, massively multiplayer. Like that's fine. Some people, but that stuff exists. Like if, Right. If if a person who plays Final Fantasy wants to play an MMORPG, they can do that. Um, that's just my opinion. And I'm an I'm like an old man in the gaming world. You know, I'm 35. as well bury Um I'm like the you know.
0: My, dad, my dad's older than you, and he and I used to be members together on Runescape as <laughs> something to do together.
1: So. Yeah. Well, that's I mean that's the thing. Like I I kind of like my daughter someday to play. Final Fantasy 7. But you're going to do it on a PlayStation because those things aren't well enough made to last another 15 years. Um, you know, so I, I... So, I mean, there is a PC port. Yeah, there is. Yeah, and, and a, uh, I sure haven't is. played it on PC, but... Um, all right. All right.
0: So I think that's all the time that we have for you because you've got to get going. Yeah, I,
1: I, uh, to be honest, I, I have to go grocery shopping um, to, get the, to get the groceries for the house, and the child, the wife. Kind of important. Yeah. It is. It is. But this is the best ever. Like, getting to sit here and talk about video games is like... And there's this weird guy, like, on the computer screen looking at us. And, yeah, that's, that's weird, right? I've never done that before. Yeah, this is... So if you want me to come back and yak at you sometime, you know, I'll, I'll do it anytime.
0: So. I'm always happy to
1: have people come back and yak, especially if they have fun. Yeah, and hey, uh, if you want, I'll bring... Uh, I could bring recordings and things of, of music and talk about you know some of the uh, some of the elements of how to listen for what composers are doing to play with your mind and it's like mind control. Video game music is like mind control. That is what it is.
0: That could be cool. That could that could we maybe have an eight bit special about that sometime? All about video game music and.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I'd love to do it. I'd love to yeah, do it. it's I mean, I love, yeah. I mean it's, it's, it is fascinating stuff, like when you really go into it. It's like it, it, it's mind-blowing the way. So the
0: psychology of music and stories and video games.
1: Oh, yeah. It, I, and that's, you know, like I said, I designed a whole course on it. So yeah. I'm, I'm obsessed with it. I think it's, it's really cool. Well, I need to go home and game. But what I'm instead going to do is I'm going to go to the grocery store and buy milk and bread. And, and, and be a dad. Yeah, you know. Yeah, that's that's the best thing ever. That is, is really the best thing ever.
0: And as I said, you you have stuff to look forward to. My there were several times when my dad and I would stay up till two or three in the morning playing um Medal of Honor um on the GameCube uh-huh. together. And th- there was one of my favorite moments with him is this was when he was just just getting started on the game and I had played a little bit and I was I had kind of grown up learning how to use the controller, so my brain was a little bit more attuned to it.
2: Mm
0: -hmm. Um, And So he was just getting things under his control, so I promised him for a couple hours that he could get stuff under his control, um, or the controls just under his fingers, uh, that I wouldn't shoot at him. Um, So we did this mode, just because we thought it'd be fun, um, where it was shotguns only. (laughs) And they have different skins that your characters can look Different, and you can play as different characters. And the one, of course, I chose was Nana, which is the grandmother. So I was the bouncing granny with a shotgun. Um, and and I know now that we're both, now that it's not one thirty-two in the morning, um, it's not nearly as funny as it was then. But. It's just one of those times where I... One of those distinctive memories that I have just hanging out with my dad, so... Oh, yeah. There's lots of really cool things to look forward to.
1: Oh, yeah. I mean, and that's that's my, you know... When I think of college, I think of the music things I had, you know, ensembles and stuff, but I think think a lot of hanging out in my room with my roommates playing video games. I mean, that's... Like, that's how we bonded, and... um, Yeah, and there are games I'd love to play eventually with my daughter. Um, I just hope it's not my little unicorn. Um, (laughs) But I... (laughs) But I do think I do think um, I think it's right. I mean, I think there's something not only really artistic about it, but it, you know, they can bring people they can bring people closer together. It's like riding in a car with someone. Mm-hmm. Like you can get to know somebody really well in a car because you don't have to look at. Them. So you, you're not really talking to them. You're just talking and taking turns and listening. Mm-hmm. Um, and same thing when you're playing a game, you can sit there and you play with somebody or online. You can on a headset. You can play with somebody. You can have a great conversation with them, partially because you don't have to like. It's not real human interaction because you're not really looking at them. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I think you can really you can have deep um, you can build pretty deep relationships that way. All right, my friend. I gotta I gotta go. All right. Thanks, Ian. Zero. Thank you. Thanks, yep. you for, yeah. you yep. for coming. Thank you. Take care.
0: He's absolutely hilarious. I am so happy to have him as a teacher. He's so full of energy in the best way possible.
3: Yeah, that was a uh, great interview. He had a lot of uh, great things to say and think about. So,
0: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> The journey OST and all that stuff.
3: Yeah, I put a bunch of links in there so that everybody who was listening to that can read up on their uh, background info. Yeah. Now, he was talking about... Uh, Final Fantasy 12 and I I didn't want to jump in and interrupt but I, I'll just mention what I thought of it. So that game, the way they did like some of the monster drops and the chests, the the way it would work is if you found a chest somewhere, you know, just sitting under a pillar or next to a rock or whatever, the way it would work is that you would get a 50-50 chance to either, either be money or it would be an item. And then there would be some some chance of that 50% chance that it would be the item you wanted or some junk item. And then it <laughs> could be some even fractional chance that it could be a rare item or not. And then the rare item NIS would move to different chests in that area. So it would be very, you know, RNG-based and non-normal as per Final Fantasies go. And then as to the combat system in Final Fantasy XII, there was another weird thing, the Gambit system that he mentioned. Uh, if you're familiar at all with just generalized programming, you know, like if statements and for loops and stuff, that's how they wanted it to be. They wanted you to be able to program sort of the AI so that, you know, if my character's less than 30% health, throw a heal potion. If my character's less than 10% health, throw a mega Or You know, that kind of thing. So yeah. rudimentary programming, and again, that's not turn-based. It's not ATB-based. It's just some new paradigm that had never been really done before in the in the genre. So, mm-hmm.
2: okay.
0: Also, did you uh, record that last little bit, and are you going to put that into the show? Oh yeah, yeah. What did you just say? Okay, good. Yep.
3: <laughs> we're in. We're in the show. This is the. We're show. in the show.
0: Yeah. All right. So JPM has left. So a big thanks to him for coming and talking about that. That was. That was really cool because, I mean, having people come in and talk about things that they're passionate about is one of my favorite things to do.
3: Yep, it was wonderful. Um,
0: and so if if you ever want to find this a copy of this show, because for those of you who are listening on like iTunes or something like that, feel free to head on over to the website, which is thenexus.tv slash EB89. And that will lead you to this specific episode so you can hear... Um, He talks about Final Fantasy and the music behind everything all over again, as well as look up some of the links that we're going to be talking about in our headlines coming up.
3: Yep. So you you probably know more about these than I do because I'm just filling in today. But let's begin (laughs) with some of those headlines.
0: All right. So, do you want to take the first one? Because the second one is a little bit complicated. Because the only note for it is, how many subscribers do we have again?
3: Yes, I think I'll try doing the first one. So, (laughs) have you ever wanted to, like, play in a virtual world, but actually feel touching? Well, somebody's working on it.
0: I I feel Rule 34 kind of exists here. Yeah,
3: I'm pretty sure that it does. Pretty pretty hard. I don't really know what the device is. It's like a... um, I don't know how you would describe it. It's kind of like a spider around your hand, but basically it will move it, your fingers when there's some simulated touching going on.
0: Yeah. It. Um, so the the device is called a mechan- Well, it's a mechanical exoskeleton, specifically uh, Dexmo F two from Dexta Robotics. What a great name. Um, yeah. So the the name is Dexmo F two, which is uh, specifically mechanical exoskeleton, and as you said, it works by um, locking in the joints and preventing your fingers from moving any farther in order to simulate touch, which looks like it could be kind of good, but at the same time i 'm looking at the picture here, and the only place where it latches onto the fingers really is towards the tips as opposed to the rest of the hand, so you still don 't have the full
3: no it's it 's a very uh very loose contact, and it almost looks like they 're being held on by like little wire ties it 's very uh imprecise touching.
0: Yeah, so it's it's rudimentary for the time being, but um, but definitely could be a really cool step in the right direction, because I mean, with with the Oculus VR, people now are finding have to find ways to include the other senses in this. And I remember there was also a shirt that would like constrict, that, yeah, yeah, it would constrict or or it would like inflate quickly if you mm-hmm. ever got shot in a certain area, like for first-person shooters and whatnot. So it's it's not the first time that an attempt at this has been. Well, that an attempt at this has been made, but, and I'm assuming we're probably going to be seeing a lot more of these cause, j- just because of how much momentum the Oculus Rift has gotten.
3: Mm-hmm. So the next one is about how many subscribers do we have again? And I think the joke is here, if we had enough subscribers, we could get free games. Am, am I right in this?
0: It's, I, I think that that's what he was going for.
3: Yeah, I think so.
0: Um, So it's talking about how... It's it's an article on Polygon talking about actually a blog post at Gamasutra, which is the <laughs> the thing that, J, that JPM was a little bit hesitant about. Um, Gamasutra, by the way, is a gaming blog. That's all it talks about is gaming and different things that happen with it, news-wise and all that fun stuff. And this one is talking about how some developers are noticing how, essentially, what they try to do as... Promotional things gets you or gets used in a scam. So a lot of things that promotion or that uh, devs will do is if there's someone specifically with a Steam channel, they will. The person with the Steam ca- channel can request, "Hey, we'd like to review this on our channel and get you some views and get a little bit of promotion out there for it. Could we have a copy of the game so that we can do that?" and that is being exploited by people who have large amounts of those channels specifically users who have multiple accounts and do that with multiple accounts specifically well again through email asking hey i have this youtube account can i get it and as as a result there's an excess of keys and the scammers what they're doing is they're taking these key, excuse me these keys and reselling them for fairly cheap so it's it's something that the consumer will will want because if it's a good game they'll get it cheap but it hurts the developer in the sense that they don't get any money out of it and they lose a lot of their a lot of their income that they would get otherwise because they are trying to get their game promoted
3: right you know it's an interesting uh kind of thing that the the Alleged YouTube scam here is that they're 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 just keys that are promotional in 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 their purpose, and then are being resold later. And there's not really any there's not a lot of good ways to verify except using the built-in YouTube messaging system, which is probably not what a lot of people use to do that. Because yeah. uh, you know anybody can just make an email address pretty much anywhere. Yeah. So, but what what do you think about just in general, just giving keys for free? You know, just giving games for to, for, for YouTubers for free. What do you think about that in general?
0: I don't know, because I can see both sides of the argument. It's a really good way, especially if you're a small small developer who needs a little bit of help getting going, and and whatnot. That you can get your name out there and hopefully get your game circulating around as something to be had. But at the same time, it, it, it's it's sort of the same concept of why grocery stores have those little samples out with toothpicks and say, hey, have some.
3: Right, exactly.
0: Where it gets, it's a small taste of something and it attracts a lot of people to it and they end up getting the whole thing eventually. So what I think would probably be a smarter idea is not not giving out full game, full copies of the game, Mm -hmm. but rather demo versions of the game as promotional things. That way you don't have to worry about if a a scammer um, tries to use those extra keys and they'll just be giving out demos and they'll actually get, they can actually get in legal trouble because when they sell those copies, they'll be, they'll be trying to sell full copies. and and if they end up selling just a demo copy, then I mean, Hey, then they can get sued for, (laughs) for not actually giving them the whole thing for the money that was paid Mm -hmm. and whatnot. So I, and I'm sure that that's probably a, a process that's easier said than done.
3: Yeah, definitely. Uh, you know, to make a whole new demo, you almost have to make a separate game. I mean, a lot of the assets are the same, but it's almost a separate game. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So why don't we talk about gamer culture or gamer. something that's happened to it?
0: Oh. Uh, where are you? Oh, so let's, here, we'll just read the whole the whole spiel thing that Buck laid out for us. So, here's a strange story. An opinion article on Gamasutra about how gaming has become mainstream enough that the terms gamer and gamer culture no longer apply, and the developers should not feel the need to cater to that perceived culture and backlash from the folks behind the Gamergate movement. In particular, they campaigned Intel to get them to take down their ads from Gamasutra. Unfortunately, Intel acquiesced. Later, Intel clarified that this did not indicate them taking sides and reaffirmed their belief in gender equality course they haven't resumed advertising on Gama Sutra
3: so I've read this from multiple sources and I still don't get it
0: um so I think what so what the gamergate movement essentially says is that gaming is no longer a cult like thing it is much more mainstream and so there should not be any need to cater to what is the perceived culture which is whenever you think of a gamer what do you think of
3: uh I don't know just people playing games i don't i don't i don't think of particularly anything except a person who plays games as a primary hobby or yeah. a primary thing they do
0: and i think that that's what a lot of a lot of people think but for the most part um from what i can tell anyway what the public thinks that gamers are are old fat nerdy guys in their 20s who are possibly unemployed and um live in their mom's basement and are refusing to move out and get a job because they're too busy playing video games.
3: I mean, there's 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 a fine line between gamer and not gamer. A person who plays Angry Birds is not a gamer. No. Right.
0: No, no. And but that's that's what the perceived culture is, mm-hmm, definitely by the general populace. And so they're saying that um, because there was a lot of games that were trying to cater to that perceived culture, that perceived stereotype of gamer. Um, there's a movement working at fighting that stereotype and saying, hey, games are something that's available and done by everyone. You should make games that appeal to everybody. Um, and apparently... Um, let's see. Oh, the Gamergate... Oh, sorry. So the opinion article was on Gama Sutra. That was on the blog. Um, the Gamergate movement is the ones that are apparently fighting that, they, they they supposedly have an anti-feminist campaign going. I don't know.
3: Yeah, see, um, exactly. I've tried to read this multiple times, and I still find it to be half-baked.
0: I mean, I, I guess I don't see how trying to break what is known as the gamer culture is necessarily a feminist thing, because I don't think that it's necessarily a matter of gender,
2: mm-hmm.
0: although... It's usually perceived... Well, I I suppose there is the whole thing about how girls don't play video games or gamer girls don't exist, supposedly, which is not true. Um, By the way, I have some friends who play games who can kick my ass left, right, and sideways. Um, But I, I don't know. It's one of those things where I guess it's left up to the reader's interpretation of they can see... There there's what the intended meaning is and then there's what what um what the perceived meaning is. And I you know, I suppose it would also help if we had read the opinion article.
3: Probably but
0: on Gamma Sutra, which might actually address the the issue of girls playing games more so and then Gamergate saying, No, you need to stick with how it's been. Um and Intel acquiesced and
3: yeah. Well, we'll just have to see if it is changed in the future.
0: Mm -hmm. So, Buck, when you listen to this episode, take notes, and we'll talk about this a little bit at the beginning of next episode, okay? In the meantime, listeners, please feel free to uh, send back your own opinions. Go and find this out on the Internet. We have a couple of links to, to a couple of sources about this, but you're also welcome to go and find your own, and then get back to us. Tell us what you think and what you know so that we can put your guys' knowledge and input into the show as well because we want this to be, you know, not just us but sort of a community.
3: It's just us. (laughs) We
0: we will change that. We will will change the the Nexus culture.
3: I love how that's a part of the Nexus culture. I like that. That's a good way to see it. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So what, what, what do you want to go to next?
0: Uh, let's see. Um, how about the Golden Joystick Awards?
3: Yeah, okay, so voting for the Golden Joystick Awards has opened and started. It is going to be running through late October, so we have, what, three weeks left to uh, vote? Uh, apparently it's the largest user-decided gaming awards. Uh, you know, Mm -hmm. unlike some of those gaming awards that are just determined arbitrarily, like, this is probably a nice one.
0: Yeah, this one's, uh, the, the Golden Joystick Awards is the one that, uh we usually i know that B- that buck and i usually put most of our faith into when it comes to actual games you have like the the vgas but
3: yeah that's the one that isn't good
0: we we've kind of turned those into a laughing stock it is um and so yeah the golden joystick awards as you said is a community based voting uh system so
3: and what i like about this this these awards is that there's different categories it's not just oh, all overall it, there's actual things you can do differently.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So let's see, looking at some of these categories, Best Original Game, Most Wanted, Best Indie Game, Best Visual Design, Best Multiplayer, Best Audio, Best Gaming Moment, Best Storytelling, Best Online Game, Best Handheld Game, Best Mobile Game, Platform of the Year, Studio of the Year, Innovation of the Year, Personality of the Year, Game of the Year. So yeah, there's there's a fair number of categories to go and vote in.
3: So I, I, I'm I just going to pick one here, arbitrarily because it's totally the first one on the list. And it's the best original game of the year. So some of those games include Monument Valley, which I think Ian reviewed a couple of weeks ago. Um, Transistor, which I talked about, I think, sometime in summer. Uh, I don't know if anybody on the network has talked about Destiny at length, but I know you know we've everybody's followed the evolution of it. Um, yeah. Watch Dogs, of course, has been something we've talked about for years, and then it suddenly mm-hmm. didn't come out, and then it did come out.
0: I should play that. I have a copy of it.
3: Yeah, I I've, I've watched... Someone else play it, and it's it's a game. That's all I can tell you.
0: <laughs> there's Broken there... ages on there as well, which we've talked about. And then with... there's
3: just funny games that I've never heard of, like Don't Starve, Ollie Ollie. Well,
0: I've heard of Don't Starve.
3: Okay. See, I don't play uh,
0: it I, I haven't heard of something called Shovel
3: Knight. Now, do you think Don't Starve really has a, a, a slash by the apostrophe?
0: Probably not. Okay, just making <laughs> sure. There's probably a little typo.
3: Yeah, okay. So yeah, we'll be. Um, I, I guess we'll know the results in November. So sounds good. Uh, uh,
0: yeah. Oh yeah. Something else that I really like about the VGAs is that when they're considering them. I mean, yes, it's just PC games, so they're a little bit limited in that way. But well, no, they talk about console of the year, so it can't be just PC games.
3: Yeah, it's it's all games. It's
0: all games, and that it includes indie games in this as well, because all indie games here are up for the running. It looks like because Broken Age was something that was kick-started and given an Indie Age. Same thing, I think, with Child of Light and Don't Star. Yep. Um, Stanley Parable's up on here, which is not... No, that is that is an Indie game, right? It's made with the source engine, and it pokes at Valve a lot, but it... Yeah, there's a lot of really cool Indie games up on here, as well as AAA games, so yeah. hmm Golden Joystick Awards, go vote, make your voice heard. That's sort of the point of voting, voting in general.
3: Turns out. Okay, what's next?
0: Let's see. Uh... Ooh, uh, let's let's go down the list because I I didn't pull anything that I didn't think was particularly uninteresting. Okay. Um, though if you say that we shouldn't do it, then we can skip past it too.
3: Oh, you know, just pick the ones you like. Whatever. <laughs> all right.
0: Well, this this one's a little bit interesting. So, do you remember at all Ian Buck and I talking about uh, a video of? Specifically, a graphics de- or another graphics a physics demonstration of a game where the cars just got completely annihilated
3: I do recall that yes
0: it was called next Car game, um, which is of course the most imaginative name I have ever heard well, the developers um, recently released an update that not only includes a bunch of physics updates as well as you know the ability to According to some of the comments, the cars are now drivable. <laughs> so that might have been an issue before. But they've also come up with a name, and it is now called Wreckfest, which seems kind of, you know... Destructive? Getting, considering. Destructive? Oh, yeah. uh, yes.
3: Yeah. You know, I think Matt would love this game.
0: Matt probably would. This this definitely seems like a Matthew sort of game mm-hmm. where you blow things up. Now, if only there were crossbows.
3: Uh, one day soon. Wreckfest 2.
0: Wreckfest 2. First-person car shooters where you can have car-mounted car, car mounted crossbows. Sounds good. Sounds like a Matt thing to do.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: All right. Let's see. Next game. Uh, actually, why don't we skip that one? Well, because we'll, we're going to be talking about a couple of Far Cry 4 trailers. Okay. Um, but so we're going to move on to... Oh, yeah. This one I thought was actually really interesting. So the team that made Divinity Original Sin... Was a, or had originally done that through crowdfunding, specifically through Kickstarter. After the project was finished, the guys who were behind it said that they would not use crowdfunding as a way to fund their next game because they were so successful that, one, they didn't think that they'd need it, and two, more than anything, they thought that it would actually hurt the crowdfunding scene because it would take funds away from the games and the projects that that needed them more instead of a company that had had a successful release. Mm-hmm. Um, and he got a lot of feedback on this decision, and apparently a lot of what happened or a lot of the feedback revolved around, no, that's not actually right, um, because it, it it seems as if the crowdfunding has taken a big dip in its popularity.
3: Yeah, according to uh, this PC Gamer article... In, in two thousand fourteen 2013, there were tons, like 21 Kickstarters that did more than 500,000, where there's only been three so far in 2014.
0: Yeah. So the crowdfunding source, or the crowdfunding um, platform, maybe?
3: I don't know. I, I guess platform or scene is a good word, too. Method.
0: It will be the method. Okay. Um, so the crowdfunding method... Uh, has been hurting a lot. and So what they think a lot of it is is that they're missing a lot of those big title games and abilities that draw in funders.
3: Well, you know, so, maybe that's it too, but I think there's a lot of overexposure to the people who follow gaming news, and there's a lot of unadvertised exposure to people who would love to donate but just don't even know that there's one there.
0: Yeah, that's that's possibly... That's probably the case, too.
3: <laughs> like, it's the it's the, these two extremes that are conflicting with each other. Not enough advertising and too much advertising.
0: So what they need to do is find a way to get those advertising things out
3: well, to people. Yeah, as, as something that comes to mind is um, something that Yahoo said at CES 2013, 14? I'm not sure what year that was. But they said, we need to cater to the middle 85%. That's
0: very true. Mm-hmm. I mean, percentage-wise. Otherwise, you're only hitting 15, right? Max. <laughs> yeah, no, that makes sense. Um, I don't know. Maybe, maybe a little bit of the big, getting another big project on Kickstarter from a big name might work as well, though, for drawing that. It could also backfire in their face, mm-hmm. though, because I could see a lot of people going, "Hey, they already were successful. What are they doing?" Get off of here. This 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 program is being abused. I'm not gonna donate anymore. Right. So it's it can go either way. Alright. Um oh, speaking of other crowdfunded sorts of things, um so DreamHack Winter twenty fourteen will be hosting the fourth Counter Strike Global Offensive competition that will have a community funded prize pool generated from Valve's Arm Deal Arms Deals update which was, if you remember, we talked about some controversy or some controversy with it a little bit back. Um, what essentially they did is they said, all right, you guys can now design skins and things for guns and sell them online and make some profit off of that. We'll keep some of the profit. And then they apparently took some of that profit that they made and are using it to fund prize pools.
3: I think this is a really great idea. I love this. It's, it's extremely community-driven, but the company oversees it. Uh, I think it's wonderful.
0: I think it's fantastic too. I, I absolutely love Valve in how much they try to reach out to the community and try and make the gaming community a thing and an active thing. Mm-hmm. At that,
3: now I don't um, know how uh, like how custom the skins were. So you know they're they're making creating and selling custom skins. I don't know how detailed and what permissions the designers were allowed to have there. But in some games it wouldn't work. But I think for Counter Strike yeah where the community thrives even though it's, what, 10 years old, 15 years old? Yeah. I think it's fine and great.
0: And, I mean, Go's been around for... Go hasn't been around nearly that long, but, yeah, the the original Counter-Strike community has been around for... Well, here, let's let's look it up. That's what the Internet's for.
3: Uh, it turns out...
0: Information spreading? No.
3: No, definitely not. We don't do that here.
0: No. See, it was made in
3: 1999. Yep, that's, that's uh, 15 years ago. That's a long time.
0: Mm-hmm. That's that's back in the things that JPM was talking about. Yep. When he was in college, let's make him feel old.
3: <laughs> I th- I think you succeeded there.
0: I mean, the, the the thing that I refrained from telling him is that the the Game Boy that he was describing, the original Game Boy, mm-hmm. is now known as Game Boy Fossil.
3: <laughs> sure, it is. <laughs>
0: So yeah.
3: <laughs> so why don't, why don't we talk about uh, uh, some Guild Wars news?
0: Guild Wars two news. Oh
3: yeah. So I so, can actually talk a little bit about this because I actually know all about Guild Wars.
0: Please do. And are you thinking of doing this?
3: no but i let's let's first describe what it is so okay. in in mmos at least traditional mmos there were there were dungeons and then there was the step up from a dungeon so a dungeon might be 5 to 10 people whereas a raid might be 10 to 40 to 80 people and so mm-hmm. raids are you know huge large scale multi party but one group <sighs> battles um you know requiring coordination time and effort and yep. and then you were rewar- rewarded well too. Well, one of the things Guild Wars Two doesn't really have is s- group based raids. There are large scale open world fights against bosses. There are are five man dungeons, but there are no raids. So there's there's one piece of that triangle missing. Yep. Well, apparently there's a new. Uh, I don't, I don't know what uh, what would you call that? A new uh, hiring order. I don't know what do you Job call it. Listing. Job listing? Is that what they call it? See, I don't. I don't, yeah. I don't work for a living. How would I know? <laughs> and and it's well, so,
0: you, you're a student for less than a
3: year. Yeah, I know. Well, unless you go to graduate school, that's uh, not happening. Just so you know. Uh, and and so they're they're hiring a dungeon designer and a raid designer uh, as sort of a combo. And it's really interesting that they're doing this now, two and a half years into go live, and then like seven years into complete total game development i don't know what What are your thoughts i
0: mean i i guess i don't have any thoughts i'm just i'm just my thought is that damn i'm bummed that i'm not a cs major and don't know how to program because <laughs> i think this would be a fun job design design bosses and puzzles and ways to fight bosses and mechanics for said bosses, as well as to counter said bosses. Definitely. Sounds like it would be a lot of fun.
3: Well, so from a programming perspective, I can't say if it's hard or easy, although I can imagine that, like any programming, it's probably somewhat difficult. But I think from, from your angle, where, where you, you're more of a writer and you know all of the classics, what things could uh, a person write as a story to make a big, large-scale Forty person or forty person group to to do as as a boss battle. I mean, that that's something that you would have to come up with, even just as a writer, before even any of the implementation happens.
0: Well, I mean, you usually start out with probably some sort of incentive as to why would they be there in the first place. Mm-hmm. Um, so maybe. Uh, one of the more basic ones that's usually good for any sort of standalone mini-story arc is, there's a lot of treasure! <laughs> well,
3: right. And in Guild Wars 2, we can only ever need more treasure, so...
0: I know, right? mm mm-hmm. um, Maybe make it interesting, make it a four-part thing where they have to each complete a raid before they can go to a final raid. Yeah. Um, uh, or where they have to complete a, a series of raids before they can get to the final raid. I mean... Uh, like working on it could be treasure but it could be legendary treasure sort mm-hmm. of thing where it's um first you have to go and activate like four elemental things is usually another really good thing
3: i mean as, as a as, as I, i've read a lot about the guild wars 2 lore there's a ton of things they could do but one of the things that seems really obvious they could do is they could tie it into their living story arcs where oh, yeah where where you, as a part of the living story, you, you enter into a part of a raid, a 40-person raid, and then you battle the new big enemy, mm.
2: Mhm.
3: You know, stuff like that. Uh, it, it is interesting, though, that raids typically uh, you know, entail hardcore, really, really skilled players, where Guild Wars 2 is all about casual players. So yeah. there's an interesting dynamic there that they would have to resolve.
0: I mean it can give the people who play casual something to work up to, because it, it doesn't have to be Destiny-level hard.
3: Well, I mean, uh, right. they they have that already, and that that's basically what dungeons fall into. And in the Guild Wars 2 community, there, there's a lot of people asking for really hard content that's just not in the game.
0: Okay. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I mean, you don't have to do everything in the game. Right. That's never been a requirement. Mm-hmm. So yeah, something to appeal to them and and I mean, I still have trouble with some of the dungeons. Like the, oh, definitely. Oh shoot, what's the one? There's there's an undead general in it.
3: Yeah, there's there's what's a big? lot of them. I know. Yeah, that's they, they, either a raw or it's Ascalon catacombs.
0: Catacombs. Yeah. Um, the big guy who you have to fight who stands up on the platform.
3: Yeah, I don't know. The closest
0: there's... we ever got to that is we uh shoot, what's what's the big monster that'll pop up while you're in there?
3: I've only done Catacombs Path like 2 or something, so I don't know know what all of them are.
0: Mm. Well, there's like a Minotaur or something like that Mm -hmm. that's just big and huge and can easily tear your party a new one. Um, And we somehow were able to find it, aggro it, and then lure it into fighting um, this general who killed it eventually, but he was in super low health. And then, of course, we tried to go and kill him, and we were super confident because, hey, he's at low health. We don't have to play that that cautiously we can do this really quick yeah nope (laughs) nope so yeah designing content for things like that Mm -hmm. could be kind of fun just maybe not make it well no it needs to be that ridiculously hard if it's gonna i guess appeal to some of the hardcore gamers yep well something that could also get a little bit hardcore but maybe also probably be some casual stuff is the game human resources um, so it, it's I'm going to call it a zombie RTS in that it's having another go at life. Um, so it was originally crowdfunded on Kickstarter um, back in 2012, but it came up quite short of its target funding goal. Um, but it's it's back now. It's trying again. They're coming out with videos. Um, and and I mean the the premise of it sounds absolutely silly in the best possible way. So the the the, the premise of the game is that humans have made robots to the point where robots are now becoming sentient and taking over and destroying the humans. And so in a a last-ditch effort in order to try and destroy the robots, the human scientists find a way to um, resurrect the ancient ones, to awaken the ancient ones, so like Cthulhu-esque beasts, which turns out to screw them over as well, because in the game, what you use as resources are actually humans. Like, it's not, oh, you have to mine this, or, oh, you have to go and collect this. No, it's, 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 you collect humans.
3: That's kind of, I like that. I think that's uh, an interesting thing that hasn't really been done before.
0: I, I find it really amusing, and I mean, the name of the game itself is then a pun, because it's right. human resources. Exactly. exactly. Um, and I mean, the art style is very anime-esque, sort of the, the cartoony feel that, Um, that JPM was talking about in in a little bit more of a blocky form right now because they haven't had the funding to get it fully pulled out to where it's going to be. But at the same time, I don't think I want it to be too far developed because I really like sort of the blocky, cell-shaded graphic novel.
3: It kind of reminds me of um, Transistor a little bit. Yeah.
0: So go and give something a second shot at life if you really want. Um, I'm not an RTS player, but I'm i'm tempted to go and do so simply because it looks like it could be silly and fun, so
3: and you can uh you know it's it 's a Kickstarter, so you can pledge and if you do twenty dollars, you will uh get the game yep, uh, yep. allegedly in february twenty sixteen so don't don't expect it time soon
0: what well, you never do with Kickstarter This is getting at the funds to get started, and then the stuff is developed after the funds are had
3: I know, but you know. 2016, that's the optimistic number. We'll, we'll see in 2018.
0: Yeah,
2: mm-hmm,
0: yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Well, in the meantime, uh, our an- favorite annual event, the Saxxy Awards, will continue to happen. And the winners have been announced for this year's awards. Um, and they're all really very good. The, the drama, both the winner and its runner-up, made me come kind of close to tearing up and the the cool thing is is it's it's just a 5 minute movie um oftentimes without words or hardly any words at all and it just sucks you in and tugs on your heartstrings and does everything good the the only thing that i thought was a bit of a flop was the comedy winner mm-hmm. um because the overall winner was actually the winner f- from the comedy winner and then the the runner up to the comedy winner wasn't as funny as it could have been, I I personally like the one where Heavy plays a game of chess against himself more than the scout just talking about being a scout. But by the way, go and watch them and enjoy yourself because they are all fantastic. Do you want to talk about the next one, or do you want me to talk about it?
3: Uh, you go right ahead. I don't know anything about Dragon Age. <laughs>
0: So, new Dragon Age Inquisition trailer. So, it specifically features your customization options, both in character creation as well as in armor and weapon crafting, which is something that has never been done in a Dragon Age game before. Um, So, it also gives you, I mean, there's a couple sneak peeks that I don't know if they were intending to feature, but like the menus, game interface, um, as well as, it looks like you have to choose your build path sooner on, so like, whether or not you want to be a two-handed warrior versus a shield and sword warrior. Um... Uh, however, I think my favorite thing that they showed being crafted is one of the grenades that you can craft, which is literally a jar of bees. And when you chuck it at someone, they get swarmed by bees, and they get damage over time done, as well as the above their head, Um, in all caps, BEES appears over and over and over and over again. So I could see it being rather lousy. Definitely. Okay, well... Let's see, you probably don't know too much about Far Cry 4, but you probably do know a lot about guns considering, or at least a little bit about guns considering that we're friends with Matt.
3: Yes, it turns out.
0: So do you want to talk about the guns that we have? Or if you want to, we can just watch it and then you can talk about it too.
3: Yeah, why don't we just watch it? Welcome to my church. Away from church. I am Longinus. There is much to do in Karat, and I will provide you with the tools you need to complete your righteous Ah! Ah! (laughs) work. Are you looking for a high-firing rate SMG? The Vector .45 ACP will let you spread the word faster than ever. If you're considering machine guns, the MG-42 can be used to quell unrest in a godless land. If you need something a little more explosive.
0: So I guess my first question is, what did you think about that music?
3: Well, it sounded fun. I don't know if that fits in with the uh previous games, but it sounds good.
0: Um Most of the weapons are repeats or repeat-esques of previous games, I mean. And just about most video game tropes. So you have your heavy weapons thing with the flamethrower and the MG42, and you have um, an AR that's good for medium to long range as well as close range. That'll be sort of your, your go-to gun. Um, and I mean, they also didn't show every gun
2: because
0: mm-hmm. um, I'm sure there's going to be a pistol. I'm sure there's going to be a shotgun. I'm sure uh, we've seen the little tube launcher that they didn't show. Now, I, remember,
3: um, I remember when uh, Far Cry... 3 was shown at some E3, who knows which one, I, I could feel the tangible hype. But for Firecry 4, I don't necessarily feel it as hyped. Is, is there any reason about that? I mean, do we know anything about the story? Do we know anything about it yet? Um... Or is it all just uh, still breadcrumbs?
0: A little bit. I mean, it's, it's all just the stuff that they've shown. There's there's a crazy guy
3: like normal. who
0: kidnaps you. Um... I'm trying to remember his name, Uh, but he's the self-proclaimed King of Kirat, Um, and I believe you're trying to escape? Other than that, I have no idea what the story of the game will be. I will let you know when I start playing it, and that's going to be a tough time for me because I I pre-ordered both Dragon Age Inquisition as well as Far Cry 4, and they come out literally a day apart. So I'm going to have to decide which one to play. Either that or my family will not see much of me during Thanksgiving break.
3: That could happen.
0: Probably will happen.
3: Mm-hmm. All right.
0: Next game that looks actually kind of interesting. Um, so the game is called Rack, and it is said to be similar to old so old school shooters like Quake and Doom in play style. Um, so you run around, lots of explosions, lots of beam weapons and bullets flying everywhere and all that fun stuff. You have a ridiculous movement speed, so it's all just... I love it. Very much so in-your-face and fast. Um, but the the art style is fantastic, mm-hmm. and again, it's, it's a lot of cell shaded stuff, a lot of block colors um, that makes the whole thing feel like a big comic book. Um, and the game itself is getting enough hype to the point where, and it looks cool enough, where it was described as a first-person Mega Man by Keiji Inafune the guy who created mega man himself
3: that's pretty high praise
0: so if the creator of a game that is that successful is saying yeah this looks like it'd be really cool and the sort of thing that i was hoping for and wanting to imagine i i this is one to keep on your radar folks
3: so what what so what games is this like it's like um
0: quake doom
3: like it's it kind of reminds me of unreal tournament also mhm yeah mhm i like There's
0: it. A- in a lot of the... I, I guess a resurgence... Non-resurgence is the written word. Um, uh, but a big surge of games that are harkening back to retro-style games. So, like... Definitely. Um, quick and Unreal Tournament sort of games and Doom and all that fun stuff. And not just remakes like we had with Shadow Warrior and Wolfenstein, but actual games that take pretty much the exact same um, art style and story arc... So, so is it an months.
3: MMO? I mean, is it multiplayer? Just making sure. No, it's single player. Why isn't it multiplayer? I don't know. Well, that's no fun. I agree. Well,
0: that's okay. Where's the... Uh, it was up on the Steam thing. I'm trying to find... Oh, I guess it's not saying it. Um, But yeah, there's been quite a few games that have been...
3: Well, it's uh 10% off right now. I think you've got all, all month to uh, go get it. Go get it. Or maybe just one day. I don't know. I can't tell how timers work. Yeah. $15 isn't too bad, though.
0: No. All right. Do you want to talk about that next one? Because you might actually have a little bit more insight onto that one than I do.
3: Well, I hadn't heard about it, but apparently Valve, Activision, and Microsoft have all been hacked. Just just hacked. And so it was a five-person international group of hackers, allegedly between the ages of 18 and 28, And uh, apparently they have stolen $100 million in intellectual property and uh, data. And uh, that's pretty impressive alone. Although two of the alleged hackers have already pled guilty, which is not looking good for the other three. Yeah. Now, when I hear intellectual property, I think of, like, the next Halo or the Half-Life 3 that we've all been waiting for. I don't know what Activision makes, but otherwise, yeah.
0: Um, And, I mean, I only found this recently so
3: mm-hmm.
0: it, it apparently wasn't as big of a breach as they wanted it to be or they're doing what they can to cover it up one right. or two yeah. so yeah let's hope that yeah. alright um, oh and then so our final thing is there's a new World of Tanks game model It is. it's only available for a limited time I believe let's see I'll look on the website it says that it is available through Monday, October 13th, so get your game on quick. But it is tank racing where each account has been given a free tank uh, to go and race, and you engage in a 3v3 battle where you're... you guys are specifically on a track and then you have one of two victory conditions that you have to do. You either have to have someone get to the finish line first, or you have to completely disable the enemy team, which could be very doable... If you just destroy the the tread of an enemy tank. Because, I mean, then they can't really move.
3: <laughs> right.
0: So I think that sounds fun. And again, World of Tanks is a free game, and you get this whole game mode for free.
3: That sounds good. So
0: that's worth going and checking out.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: All right, and I believe that that is all of our headlines, and I currently do not have any reviews to do. Just I don't either. because it's been... It's been a crazy week last week, and it'll be a crazy week this next week. Yeah, um, me too. Uh, but we will uh, we will get a, back to you with our regularly scheduled Insanity next weekend, and look forward to hopefully hearing more from JPM in future episodes, because I know I had a lot of fun, and I hope you guys did too. So this is Ian Decker.
3: And Ryan Rampersad. Right signing off. Have a good one.
0: An interesting life as a dad. That's a thing.
1: Well, <laughs> I, no, you know, you know, you don't sleep a lot. Well, I had that insane dream
3: about a unicorn.
0: Oh yeah, that's right.
3: That like that sounds like an Ian Buck dream. So <laughs> that
0: does sound like an Ian Buck dream. Okay, so Ryan, you're gonna have to be.
3: I, I, I'm gonna have to
0: actually behave this episode.
3: Well, I mean, only one person caught me not editing the show last time, so you know. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, it only has to be one here. So, yeah. Okay, so
0: once you leave, then I-
1: once as long as just you know, be like, oh, he's left. Now okay. let the dwarven stories begin. Yeah. Now, what, what's your story, Ryan? Are you uh, you're hiding out in like a, a secret bunker somewhere? Oh or- no, this I- is
3: my basement. Yeah. Okay. It's not quite as secret as I'd like it to be, but it, it suffices. It's not secret yet.
0: The only backdoor entrance into it. The only possible security breach is that window behind you.
3: Yes, this big window right behind me that people can just jump right into. Yeah, it happens. So, and you can you can show you can a picture of the jumping on that page I just put in your fringe section. <laughs> that it, it happens.
1: <laughs> That's amazing that he's able to like put that on your screen. You'd think a person that likes to talk about gaming would be less impressed by that, but <laughs> that was pretty impressive to me. Like that, I want to know how to do. Who is that? Like, is this is, Th- this is was that our... person in a
3: cage? Is it like a is that, is that like a person zoo? Uh, <laughs> Not quite. I mean, so... Maybe a,
0: he maybe belongs in the zoo. He's a little y- nuts. Nice. Yes, um, he
3: does belong in the zoo.
0: That was our junior high
1: computer teacher.
3: <laughs> <laughs> yep.
1: Right. Yeah, of course. Do you ever let him out of there? Or...
3: Well, I mean, he can jump out from the outside. It's just a uh, oh. basement well. Yeah, I like An,
1: well, egress. Okay.
3: an the... egress window. Yeah, yes. but it's more of an ingress window at this point. It's <laughs>
0: yes,
1: an ingress window, yes. My well, wife is interested in listening to the show now because I'm doing this. <laughs> um, and has has uh, has said that she will listen to this and probably make great fun of me. (laughs)